Three, two, one. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Our very first podcast. I'm so excited for this. This mm. has been a long time coming. Oh my God. Talk about long time. Like we, maybe, maybe as a productivity coach, I don't really want to admit like how long <laughs> we've been laying the groundwork for doing this podcast. Well, it's never felt right. It's never, you know, we've never gotten into like social media and all these fads that people want us to get onto. That's never been how we grew our business. Yeah. I mean, I, oh look, those parakeets. Do you see those? Those I are the did, ones yeah. that hang out here. There they are. Yeah. I saw them. They love to hang out right here. Oh, it's so, a pair of them. Yeah, yeah. So, oh man, people are so tickled when they land right there, and they're like, "Are those parakeets like outside of your window?" So tropical. Um, yeah. So you, I think you're right. Actually, I think that like we have taken this approach that I'm pretty proud of. I mean, it sounds weird because people don't hear all the things that we're frustrated about. So <laughs> to come out and say what we're proud of, it probably sounds like we think we're so great. But like, take it for granted before I say this that like. There's lots that we think that we do junky. Well, we wish we were into the Facebook posting and all the things and Instagram reels and all that stuff. But I mean, I really do wish we were into that because I think it would have been easier to grow our business. Uh, true. But I guess to finish the thought, what I was thinking that I'm really proud that we do is that we're really good at like like measuring twice and cutting once. And when we do yes. make a commitment, like we did to YouTube, like we did to our webinar, like we go all in and we don't give ourselves any like exits. And right. so I think with the podcast, it was an idea that we'd wanted to do for a long time, but we made it sort of chill out in the background, <laughs> fight to happen. Yeah, we make our ideas fight, do battle. Do glorious the, battle. the best one win. Well, I'm really excited about the topic today because I, in my in my opinion, it's sort of one of the principles that defines us as a couple. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. And it's all about how we outsource, basically, yeah. and what our philosophy is around outsourcing and a couple of the failures maybe along the way. You know, and we get this so much. Part of why I'm stoked about doing a podcast format is like we get so many questions, but often it's like... You know, people want to hear us teaching, but they also just want to hear like the story behind the right. story. You know, like how did we get into outsourcing? What was our journey? Everybody knows it's not a straight line. I think I think I hope so. It, when you create a course, though, in fairness, you sort of have to make it a straight line. Right. You know, the, the what's great about a course is you are taking this tangled like journey, and you're like sort of straightening out and saying, if I could do it perfectly over again, it would be this. But um, but I find that there's so much like interesting context that comes up in like the story behind the story. So we're going to try to do that today. And instead of just like lecture and teach, we're going to talk about just genuinely like our path to outsourcing, you know, and how we learned yeah. how to use VAs. And and it really is like a fundamental part of our success. I mean, yeah, of our success. And I think of how we live as a couple because we were doing it well before we even had a business together. It's just sort of something we did. I mean, I would love to hear your story about your first VA hiring experience. I don't think I've ever actually heard what your first time was. Yeah, the very first time. I mean, I gosh, I'm so typical in this regard. I read the four hour work week, you know, like, I mean, it's it's almost become like a meme of like, bro reads four hour work week, wants to change his life. Moves to Thailand. Hires virtual assistant, thinks everything's going to change. Yeah, I read the four hour work week. And it I, and again, another like, you know, way that I'm just typical. It just blew my mind. And I think at the time, the context is important. Like I was yeah. killing myself, working like 80, 90, sometimes 100 hour weeks in finance, taking pride in it. But also, you know, anybody who knows me knows my our story about like how I basically blew up my gut, like doing that and got to a point where I couldn't. So, you know, 
I think the four hour work week, just taking one step back was almost like, have you ever seen a smoker who's like totally like, I'll never give up smoking. Non-smokers are suckers. And then like you see them two weeks later and they're like, they're like religiously converted. They're like, no, I quit. They're it's- lecturing everyone around them about how bad it is to smoke. I was like that for as an overworker. I was the overworker who was just like, if you had seen me two months before I had my like religious conversion, I would have been like priding myself on like I work longer and yeah. harder than anybody else and I hustle more and then like my gut exploded and I was like I really went the opposite way and I think the bible that converted me to the religion of life hacking was you know Tim Ferriss's the four hour work week and so after reading that I think he had recommended like this India based assistance company the name of which I'm sure somebody will put in the comments but um but it was it, it wasn't a good fit. Let's put it this way. But one of the things that Tim Ferriss had said that was really interesting is he said, don't expect your first or second or even third attempt at outsourcing to work. Like decide how much it, it's worth it for you, mm-hmm. right? Like what are the table stakes that you're willing to lose just to be in the game? And I, I said to myself, I thought it was such a great framing of a question. I just said to myself, like, what is it worth it if I can master this skill of being able to delegate things? And I sort of arbitrarily chose the number $500. Mm. You know, for some people, it might be like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But at the time, I was flush. I was working in Wall Street. And um, yeah, so so I... And is that amount something that you were just willing to burn, basically? Yeah. Just get no return on it? Yeah. just I just assumed that either because of me just basically being an imbecile and not really knowing how to outsource right. like i just assumed that i would screw things up and not get the return a return a on my wise first assumption a very which turned out to be a very wise assumption so I, I hired a guy and and basically did everything wrong right i i uh didn't create like good and easy to follow <laughs> like instructions mm-hmm. i i assigned them to a task that required a ton of my personal preferences to be like uh-huh. laid out which was by the way travel so like for me i thought okay well i'm gonna have them do like arrange all my travel and arrange my social life. And that was the worst place to start because like, as you know, travel is like something that you really need to have a ton of your personal preferences like sort of loaded up. Oh, uh, uh, dozens. Every single part of the travel experience requires multiple people's preferences to be integrated. And this is sort of the problem I have with those shows that feature an executive assistant sitting in front of someone's office taking orders all day long and basically being their right hand man or woman because it's just not really like that at least not you mean in my like experience Mad Men where they come out and they're like nancy that's exactly the show i was thinking of book me a flight to los angeles nancy this afternoon and it's, it's, everything's like right in that moment make sure it's in the smoking section and nancy knows his preferences before he even knows them and has everything ready and i just it takes a while to work up to that it's actually much easier to start with like bigger easier to delegate tasks. And I would say even today, we still don't delegate those That's true. types of tasks. You know, like I, I look forward to planning my own travel. I just have a million other things that I would want to get off my plate so that you and I can sit down on an evening and really like pour over all the options. And, you know, it, it was just a bad place to start. So yeah. needless to say, like my first experience was uh, a failure, <laughs> a big failure. But, but I really learned a lot and, and yeah. quickly zeroed in on it. So I would say, sorry to like jump jump tracks here, but I would just say to fast forward, my first successful experience uh-huh. with outsourcing was 
where I realized there was something in my worksheets that if I knew a little bit more programming, I could automate. And so all of my financial worksheets, instead of being like manually dumping, um, you know, data into them and like calculating man- them, I just knew there were a ton of guys in India who, who had so much more knowledge than me about programming, about mathematics and VBA. So for $50, I uh, actually, ha- I, I sent them a worksheet to just automate one little portion right. of it. Right. And actually, the guy was like, hey, I actually feel bad because I can automate this entire worksheet for $50. So he did like he did probably 20 times more work than I thought, because for him, it was so easy to do. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like I thought, oh, my God, that would be like $6,000 to do all that programming. He was like, no, man, I'll do it for you overnight. So that was my first success. And it was a huge success. Yeah, yeah, and I, what I love about that example is a lot of people don't know how to use automation themselves, and they don't think outside the box to think like, well, maybe I could hire someone with a higher level skill set yeah. in that thing to help me automate. And corporations, like the one you were probably working for, they don't pay you to think like that. Yeah, it you're incentivized only to do your work, but your work doesn't mean that you have to be an expert in like VBA. Yeah, but you think you do, right? The, like that's 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 sort of what you take upon yourself. You don't. Right. Have, I feel like entrepreneurs or like managers are sort of bred into this mindset of like delegate, 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 delegate. You know, bring people around you. It doesn't have to be you. But then when, the problem is like you don't start as a manager. You actually like start as an employee. Right. Where the it's almost exactly the opposite message. Like you know, don't complain, don't push back, do everything yourself, show value. So, anyways, we're 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 getting ahead of ourselves. What was your first, you know, successful well, experience. Well, I remember meeting you and at this point, this was several years past when you were when this story happened on Wall Street, but you were running a, your tech company and you were shutting it down and you were in the process of basically trying to cut as many expenses as you could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's being very nice. I was like $100,000 in debt and in a very, very bad financial situation. <laughs> <laughs> but despite being in that financial situation, you were still hiring your keeping employed your BA at the time. Yeah. And I was like, what is this guy doing? Like <laughs> why would you keep your VA something that I thought was just reserved for this, you know, upper crust sort of executive? Why are you still keeping this person on staff when you're cutting everything else? And the way you explained it to me at that time was like, hey, listen, like I get a huge ROI on the wage I'm paying this lady. She enables everything else to function. If I didn't have her, I wouldn't have a large part of the income that I do have right now. So you kind of like needed her. And I sort of realized, oh, it's not about the actual expense. It's about the ROI that you can get from that expenditure. So my first successful attempt was then soon after. I was like really uncomfortable and nervous with the idea of hiring someone to help me. It's like, you know, I'm very much like, do everything yourself. Super control freak. And I'm still like that to some extent, (laughs) a large extent. Okay, fine. Uh, but I hired your same VA to help me with my job search mm-hmm. because I had this big job search that I wanted to I wanted to move to Los Angeles. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't have any time to try to find a job there because I was working a full-time job. And I set up a system where she could just do my networking for me, mm-hmm. do some outreach on LinkedIn. I remember that. Yep, fill out some spreadsheet, help me track. Basically, I just wanted to know as many people as I could. And she did it for me. It took her maybe seven hours a week. And within a month, I had the job. And I secured a 50,000 raise in the process. Yeah. Because I had made it look so easy. I was keeping up with my current job. And I was effortlessly networking with all these people in LA. 
And all of a sudden, I had the job and fifty thousand dollars more per year. That was a killer moment. I mean, I remember, I remember witnessing that and being like, you know, I already was sold in on the power of like, right. you know, having a VA. But I, I remember when you ran that process, and I was like, that was badass. I mean, mm. you know, doing your job full time and having your VA do the heavy lift to find a new job. I mean, in a weird way, I feel like everybody should be doing that. Like, hundred you know, percent. Because have you heard of like Amazon? The second they hire you for a job, they put the job listing out again. No. To see if they can get a better person than you. Have you heard of this? No. I don't know if I like, picked it, but like I heard this, right? Okay. It, by the way, anybody listening who like knows this isn't true, then correct me. But like, <laughs> um, it sounds like something Amazon would do. <laughs> Let's put it this way. It, it definitely doesn't sound like outside of the box for Amazon. Right. And the idea is they always want you to know that, hey, we were always in the in the market to find somebody who's better than you at doing your job. And I feel like, okay, fine. Like if that's what the modern society has become, you should always have a VA like searching for you right, to find sure. a better job. Right. You know, like, you know, it, you know, just effortlessly out there, constantly trying to see if they can trade you up, do a better job. And we know, I mean, that not to get too deep in the weeds, but we know the data shows that people who switch jobs more actually make a significant amount more, more. in money right. by the end of their life. Right? Yes, it's a new so paradigm. We just don't do it. Why? It's a hassle, yeah. heavy lift. We're already over capacity at work. The, the fear so. of the unknown. All so that anyways, stuff. I just thought, not just in the time when you did it, but I still continue to think that's a killer use for a VA. Oh, definitely. Because what what makes a good task to delegate? It's something that is repeatable, something that you spend a lot of time doing, but you're just doing the same exact thing over and over and over again in basically the same way with yeah. as few decisions to make as possible. So reaching out, like finding someone on LinkedIn with a certain job title, messaging them, you know, something and then inserting like a point of connection where you both are similar, like that's a pretty basic task yeah. that someone else can do. I mean, obviously that person has to have fluent English. If they don't, sure. yeah. that's a deal breaker because you don't want to send out messages that make that make it obvious that it's not you. Oh my God, that would be the worst. I mean, yeah. talk about like poisoning the well. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, side note really quickly, um, I, w I will um, freely admit that you guys in the audience are going to hear uh, probably what sounds like a baby playing in the background. <laughs> that is our daughter in the other room. Playing so, in the background. Um, you know, part of us, was we were like, oh, how do we keep it? You know what? We realized like, this is our life. We're welcoming you into our life. And a big part of that is going to hear our baby crying or playing in the background with her nanny. The sounds of things falling on the floor or being so, hit together. So if you're wondering why the sound quality is not like perfect here. <laughs> um, anyways, um, so Carrie, I guess here's a question. Like what is your craziest use of a virtual assistant? Like most like out there? Ooh, um, hmm. I mean, there's, there's so many. I think, well, just cut me off if this is not the story you want to hear but <laughs> I think most recently uh, I was going to have a 30th birthday party mm -hmm. and I basically got our in-person assistant who's here in Medellin I basically just had her do it Playing the whole thing yeah because <laughs> you know it's like we got our baby she's like less than a year old at the time I was super busy and just like not super passionate like, about party planning. I think you recognize it was important that we do it upright. Right. Like it's a moment. The, it's a big on, moment. Yeah. On the day of your 30th birthday, you knew you were going to want something special, but you just didn't feel like doing all the heavy lifting and planning. So I basically ended up not doing a single thing. I didn't, I messaged with some vendors and with my assistant, but besides that, I didn't have to go anywhere to buy anything. No yeah. decorations, no cake, no anything that was all taken care of. Um, didn't have to do any of the invites or planning or anything like that. Like I literally just showed up 
yeah. on the day of. No setting up, no decorating because it was at a friend's house. So she kindly did all that. <laughs> I mean, I'll plug into that and say, when you were back in LA, you did the um, Consumer Packaged Goods Social Club. Right, right. Yeah, and it was basically a monthly dinner where you invited eight people from the CPG industry. This is yeah. when you were back when in, in the CPG. And um, you had it down to like an SOP where literally I remember coming home and there were task rabbit strangers in our house because right. they had coded into the door. You had Yeah, they your, had the door code. Your SOP even had the door code, which was like a temporary door code that they only had for a certain window of time. And they would key into the door and they would come and you had the whole the video and written set of instructions and literally they would just come with all the food. They would set the table like it just a dinner party happened monthly and we didn't even lift a finger. I thought that was yeah, Badass. I mean, and again, with the networking and the invites, like all that stuff just happened automatically. And I cannot tell you what that did for my career. Like it made me look so good. I was You're having CMOs. Offers. Yeah, they still message me. They're like, oh, are you looking for a job? CMOs coming over to our house, being like, messaging me on LinkedIn, being like, send me an invite to one of your yeah, social clubs. Yeah, when am I going to get an invite I'm to like, the social club? Wow, okay. <laughs> that was badass. That was pretty cool. But I think to that point, one of the most like, phew, so glad I had that delegated was, I don't know if around the same time, I don't know if you remember, we were doing Airbnb. Yeah. And there was one time where we had a really important business presentation. We were just starting our business. And it was like really important that we be there, but we had to get one of the rooms ready. And there was nobody, like my cleaner canceled oh, last God, minute. I remember this. You remember yeah, this? Yeah. And my uncle, who was an airline pilot, was flying through LA that day. And I messaged him and I was like, I need you to clean my house for me. I have the instructions here. Please, please, please help me. And he did it. He did it in like 30 minutes. Yeah, he turned over the bedroom. Yeah. He turned everything over and it was fine. The guests didn't know any different because I had it delegated already and I had the instructions ready to go, the door code. He just like let himself in, did it, and then like like, flew off. That was probably one of the most miraculous, like like that feeling of like... Yes. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. Um, Gosh, uh, how would I answer that question? I mean... I think probably the craziest use of a virtual assistant was um, I got into a, I'm I'm wondering how much detail to get into. (laughs) Oh no. I got into a disagreement with somebody I really, really loved Mm -hmm. and it became very acrimonious and I'm an empath. And so I think this person knew that if they dropped grenades in my inbox, it would just ruin my day. And so I felt like part of the dynamic became almost harassment, like email inbox harassment, where it would just be this person like dropping bombs in my inbox. And it was hard for me to almost go on about my life because this person I love was like dropping these like bombs. Yeah, you were, I remember this, you were really nervous to even check your email because you just didn't want that to invade your mental space. I actually felt anxiety picking up my phone or opening my inbox. It was crazy. It was really bad. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I basically had all emails from this person skip my inbox and go to like archive into a storage folder and then it would get forwarded to my virtual assistant and I told her I said listen read the emails from this person and then only send me a like boil down of what they're asking so if they're sending three paragraphs of like you betrayed me you're the worst ball like some kind of crazy like you know story um, unloading but at the end they say you know a piece of information just send me like oh so and so just wants to know x y and z and then i would send it back to her and she would compose the email and then and then send it off so i literally made my virtual assistant like sort of stand between me and this like abusive person who really had some like a 
what'd you call it? like emotional bribery over me? You know, yeah, I had, yeah. I had like an emotional pull on me yeah. that was, you know, those disproportionate and to say like, Oh, dude, just ignore it. Just try to ignore it. It's like, I couldn't at that time in my life, ignore it. Was, it. it was too big of a barrier. And yeah. I think a lot of your clients since then have used that when they're dealing with a, uh, you know, a divorce a div- or like a spouse ex- who goes yeah. on the war path. And yeah. yeah, yeah. I've actually given that tip to a couple of people and they're like, I never thought of using just that a virtual assistant that way. A little bit of separation. I mean, I think though that people don't understand also that you have to level yourself up when you do hire a virtual assistant. Oh my God, yes. There's certain things that you get to do differently. I mean, I remember one time- Let's talk when, about that, right? Yeah, I remember one time when we were in Spain, we had a virtual assistant and she just was not performing well. I know exactly what you're talking and about. And we had worked with her for like two years. So it wasn't you know a new thing. Like we knew that we had to let her go, but we were dragging our feet. Oh my doing God, it. dragging our feet. Like I think we knew within like three to four months we had to let this person go. And then like two years later, she's still there. We're like, what oh, are we doing? I know. And then it, the longer you let it go on, the worse it gets. And the more you like them and then the harder it is to fire them. And this was the kind of person who felt very free to pull those emotional heartstrings and be like, you know, really share like, yeah. oh, this terrible thing happened to me. And well, this my daughter terrible... needs this and that. Or the storm came through my city. And it's super hard to She really to got her hopes that. deep into us like right. with our emotional... To our emotional side. I was really proud of us when we decided to just basically put an end to that because yeah. that's one of the biggest learning lessons I realized was first of all, how to fire someone. Oh my oh gosh, my goodness, yeah. what a moment. That was so scary. Um, but after that, I truly felt more powerful, more in control. And the truth is that everyone should be able to work with someone they really like and who respects their work. And if I'm honest, I would love to say that the postscript to that story is that we never let somebody stay on again too long. But we did one more time. Right. And I feel like that second time was like... That was it. The last time. And we, we let a person come on. And because we really liked this person, just like really, really adored them personally... We just kept feeling like, oh, they're almost there, you know, like just a little bit more coaching, more training, a little bit more training, yeah. mm-hmm. and this person will be perfect. But then we somehow ended up in a place again two years later where it felt like, oh my goodness, it's two years in and this person is still not up to snuff. I think my new personal policy around this is if for any reason I don't like working with my VA, I should probably just let them go. If Even if it's not a justifiable reason, and that's the thing, because like yeah. you can justify anything. Yeah. Oh, this happened, that's why this didn't, that's why he or she didn't do this task right. Oh, I should have explained it better. Like, okay, yeah, maybe you should have, but at the same time, if you just don't like working with them, you don't need a reason. Yeah, I mean, and I think we really wanted to, because we ultimately, here's the irony, we wanted to end up with a team of people that enjoyed working together and respected each other and just just had fun together. And so I think we thought that the way to do that is become friends with that person right away. Mm -hmm. Like friend them up and like be nice to them and show them how good this working environment could be. And I think what we've done now is like, we're sort of cold and distant. Like in the first, like we keep a very strong, like arm's length in the first one to three months. Right. And we are rapid to fire. And I know they say be, you know, slow to hire, quick to fire. But like, I don't think I got that phrase. It's hard to do. It's easy to say. It's so easy to say that. But like, it's really hard to do, especially for me as an empath, like a people lover, an extrovert. But I've, I've just seen that I've, I've convert, I'm converted. Like it's so important, especially if that person's going to be part of your process for a while. Yeah. Like. You have this thing, um, it's part of your course that you built, the yeah. How to Hire Your First VA course. You have this 
like sort of um, red flags list. I think yeah, I'm probably yeah. getting it wrong, but it's basically right, yeah. if they get if they get like three checks on that in the first thirty days, no matter how much we like them, they're out. Yeah, like and and it's really it's so strict that people who know us are like, wow, you guys are like real hard asses. But right. I think it's come from experience, right? I think so, and I think also though we aren't micromanagers. So we're strict in that way, but we aren't one of those managers. Like I heard this horror story during this pandemic right now of this manager making all of his employees stay on Zoom together the entire day long. The whole day? The whole day. This was, it was oh in a, like a New York Times article or something. I was reading about it and they were writing in like, is this normal? Is this supposed to happen? I'm like, what? Oh my God, that's like I so would, hideous. It's so hideous. I can't even think about asking my team to do that. I mean, our team can work from anywhere they want. They can take any days off they want as long as the work is getting done. Yeah. I mean, I could care less if they were on Zoom all day. I could care less if they were at their desk. And, and let's be honest, like we don't, we're not paying people like these like New York City, like San Francisco tech sure, executive sure. salaries, right? Like we're paying people at like virtual assistant salaries. So I think, by the way, you know, not for nothing, if somebody's listening to this, like d- don't run your people like they're getting a $150,000 salary if you're paying them what is really the equivalent of twenty five thousand dollars? Yeah, people are. Like, people, that's just so uncool. People want them to like record their screen, their their desks the whole day long, and then they go through and check. I'm like, is that? That's not really sending the right message to me because part of being a VA is being able to have that freedom of time and schedule, and I want them to have it as much as we have it. Yeah, I mean, and how how hypocritical would it be for us if we were like living the dream lifestyle, like digital nomads and like, <laughs> you know, flexibility in our day and we can travel wherever we want. But then we told them, we're like, no, right. you have to but be you. chained to your desk. Right. You know? The way that we can live our freedom lifestyle is by you suffering. Like, that's like I drink the tears of babies, you know, like it's just like some terrible. No, no, we, you know, we know that that part of the reason that we get people at a discount to the market is that we're not forcing them to schlub into a office and they can take an emotional health day or their kid needs something. And actually this ties into another thing that you had in your course that I think just like people miss. And it's so funny, like there, there's things that for me and you were like, duh, like it's right. so obvious. Like you cannot make a virtual assistant work if you're on like what I call the four hour schedule where like you think of something and you send it to them and you need uh, it back four hours later. Oh like, my gosh. Like, I mean, first of all, that's the reason I mean, as a productivity coach, don't even get me started. That's basically your lack of pre-planning is is the reason your whole life isn't working. I can promise you, you grab that thread and pull and that's going to show you everything that's going wrong with your life. Right. But then when you put that same workflow onto a virtual assistant, um, one, you cannot be a virtual assistant who's like a really smart mom or some some person like living abroad and be able to deal with those kinds of turnaround times and still get productivity done. It's just impossible. No, exactly. And I think it's funny because a lot of people who uh, feel that sudden, like that those fires in their workflow where they need to get a lot of things done like right away, they want to delegate to somebody who can handle that. But like you said, ironically, like you're never going to get someone really good to be able to do that consistently. So what works much better is just getting ahead by a couple weeks or even a month ahead of something that needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, we have a seven-day policy. We are not, unless it's an absolute, like, on-fire emergency, we're, our policies will never give something to somebody on our team that we need them to turn around in less than seven days. Yeah. And a lot of people probably would hear that and go, oh, you know, like, I, I, I've never done that in my life, right? right? Like, I, I don't get that. Why should I give that to my virtual assistant? And, you know, that's a whole different art. If you can't, 
if you can't understand how much better your assistant can organize their time in their life when they've got seven days to get something instead yeah. of seven minutes or seven hours, then, then you know, I, I can tell you, like, that alone will probably sabotage, like, all of your outsourcing like it makes attempts. it it really makes it work because then also if they have problems with it or if it they do it wrong or uh, they have questions then you have enough time built in so that you can fix it. But if it's such a tight turnaround, we're going to start to see a lot of mistakes. You're going to get frustrated. There's going to be too much communication. You want to you want to keep that communication actually to a minimum. Not to mention anxiety. Like think about yeah. how much anxiety your your. Uh, another thing that we give our employees that's non-monetary but it's pay is this ability to to do their work without anxiety yeah right and, and that means that they have this predictability about how they can get things done and there's not bombs going off it's not like running from fire to fire yeah and that's you know we also recognize that hey if you're a virtual assistant you cannot pay a virtual assistant some really low salary or pay mm -hmm. and expect them to live this really abusive, anxiety-ridden I mean, even if you were life. paying them a lot, like nobody deserves to live like that. I certainly hated that when I worked in corporate. How it was like every hour it was like, well, you need to redo this presentation. I need this budget report updated. And it's just like, but then they never even action it. They just change the strategy the next day and then you have to redo everything. It feels like Keystone Cops. It's you know, just, just running around. It's stupid. It's like work for work's sake. Um, so yeah, you know, this is something funny. Somebody said to me about, they, they took your course and I have to, I have to compliment you. I mean, I know this sounds like I'm complimenting myself, but I'm really not <laughs> like you, you created this entire virtual assistant course, mm -hmm. like literally by yourself. I would love to say that I like did something on it, but I really didn't like this was you 100%. Somebody sent me a comment on it and they were like, you know, you didn't tell me there was also a course on how to manage people. Right. And and this person was saying, like, I actually learned more about how to manage my employees at my full-time job by taking this virtual outs uh, virtual um, sorry out virtual assistant course because part of what you're doing too is you're actually teaching people to manage differently and really differently is like a neutral word, just better, better. <laughs> a whole lot better. Yeah. And, Everything you need to do to make a VA work, you will at some point have an aha moment and be like, I should be doing this with my employees. Like, anyone, with everyone. anyone you're managing, anybody. Yeah, it's just, yeah, some of these basic things and we have so many bad work habits that we're used to. Like, um, like for me, one of my bad work habits was always just doing it myself. Just being like, oh, these other people, they don't know how to do it right. Like, I'll just do it myself because I know that if I do it, it's going to get done right. But then it's like, then you're going to be burned out. You're going to not have enough time to do your real deep work that nobody's telling you to do. And the only benefit you're going to get is just being right and sort of being that person on your team that is known for being able to handle a lot. And I'm just not sure that's worth it anymore. I used to love being that person on the team, but now I'm like, yeah, but it's so nice to not be that person too. <laughs> I mean, you know this. It's hard. To, people who aren't us don't see like the steady stream of people coming to us who are great at their job and are doing great things for society. They're lawyers, they're doctors, they're nonprofit directors, and they're like, I'm out. Right. I'm out. It's like, too much. I'm done. It's too much. And it's, it's actually one of the most... I would say that in general, we have a very uplifting job, but probably one of the most heartbreaking things about what I see is when somebody has let it go so far and and, and lived in an abusive work culture so so much that, that they used to love this thing that they were really good at that really contributed to society, but now they hate it so much that they'd rather be a garbage collector. Right. Because, like, the, because of the constant 
like switching. So I, I, you know, again, now I'm really jumping the tracks, but I, I think to tie it back, I guess what I was really trying to say is, you know, there really is a double bubble benefit to really learning how to be masterful at outsourcing. Because if you do, A, basically you can manage your household better. You yes. can manage, you know, your uh, timelines better. It, it calls you forward to pre-planning your own month ahead of time. Right. Because you can't really leverage a virtual assistant if you haven't been looking down your own pipeline. Right. Um, so it, it it's so great. But not to mention... Once you can work with a virtual assistant and make that really work, you could basically work from anywhere in the world, right? You could work from anywhere in the world. You could manage any sort of person. You're going to start to get so much better results from the people you manage. I mean, I'm at the point now, which took me a while to get to admittedly, but I'm at the point now where my team is doing better work than I would have done doing that same task. So like one of the things that um, this year I completely got off my plate was all the billing requests related to our business. Yeah, And I, I used to that. have a really tight hold on that because there were so many different things that we needed to do. Every situation was different. There was a lot of decisions and plus well, it's very important. Yeah, and, and if there was a mistake, like we don't, wanna, we don't wanna put that on somebody else. Right, I would rather be the one that yeah. made that mistake. Yeah. But with our baby, I just decided, hey, I can't be doing this stuff anymore. What a forcing function, right? I our know. baby was such a great forcing I function. I know, for real, for real. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point now, when some billing request comes in, I forward it to my team because I truly don't even know how I would handle it. I'm like, Hey, you know, Harley, how can do you, you do this? this yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, can you take care of this? Um, so that's been a really great feeling for me too. So let's talk about like, I think that the thing that really makes the whole thing work, yeah. which is just like, can you, can you create a tremendous SOP? Right. So, I mean, um, most people who are listening to this are like dialed into our tribe and our cult. <laughs> I, say that, <laughs> I, still, I say that laughingly. It's not you really know. a cult, guys. It's not really a cult. Um, no, but like they know what an SOP is. But like for anybody who might not know that acronym, it means standard operating procedure. You know, at this point, I used to think about it as a written set of instructions. Now, I actually think the video component is almost more important. So now I yeah. say it's a video, it's a matching video and written set of instructions. So it's right. If I only had to have one, it would definitely be the video, right? I mean, it used to be the opposite. It used to be that I would write an SOP. And then if I had time or the wherewithal to create a video, then I would create a video too. Now yes. I'm more like I create the video always. Yes. And then sometimes I will also create the written. That is, you know, I do the same thing and I think it works much, much better. And I think people default to the written because they want to sort of like get their thoughts together. But yeah. it, what, the problem with that is you miss steps. So as you're writing it, you, you have a, you're thinking about it in your head, but because you're not actually doing it, you skip stuff. So yeah. if you force yourself to do it on video in a screencast first, there's no possible way for you to skip any steps. Well, our friend Amberly Miller, shout out Amberly, um, she said something that was so true. I mean, I, I I was operating this way and I knew it, but sometimes somebody just says something and you're like, oh, that's it. Right. She was like, listen, if you give somebody just a video of you doing something, you'll get like an 80% success rate. And if you give them just a written, like just written, you might get like seven, 60, 70% success rate. But for some weird reason, when you give them both a written SOP and a video SOP, the success rate combined is better than the sum of its part. It like goes yeah. up to like 96% it's success rate. It's really, really, really high. I mean, it goes up really high. So that, that really is one of the magical like one plus one equals five like unexplained, like if you pushed me to explain like, you know, cognitive science behind, I, but you know, the best attempt that I can make is just to say that like, it basically hits all of your learning centers 
at the same time. Right. You're listening. You're getting – if you have your face, you can see the person's expressions and emotions. And so you get that like – Or at least like, you hear the tone. Or you hear the tone. But you also see it flashing – you know, you, it's, you're being guided you through something steps. on the, yeah. the computer. That to me is the biggest part is that – and then I like having the written because once the person's watched the video, say it's like a 15-minute video, they're probably not going to go through that video too much more, many times. Yeah, exactly. So they almost reference the written and then if they need to, if they're unclear about a part, they can go and watch just that section of the video again yeah. so i mean this god i feel like we could do four hours just, just talking about how, how much we love SFEs. but i think i think skipping ahead I, I think the the conclusion to that would just simply be um i feel like sops are like that gate yeah that if people don't embrace and just like get onto like when people do they're like oh that was so easy why did i make a mountain out of a wallhill but when they don't it's just one of those things where it's like if you can't make sops then you can't outsource. Well, and one thing I thought was that maybe it seems diminutive to be sending someone such a detailed instructions. Yeah, because it does treat them like an idiot almost. I mean, I, I've changed my thinking around that. I don't think that that's how it's perceived and nor is it meant to... No, I agree with you. But, but I, so, and the reason why it changed for me was our team members started telling me how much they loved my SOPs. They were like, I feel so happy when you send through an amazing SOP <laughs> with a task because they know that they'll be able to do the task and everybody wants to do their job well, you know? And so having that SOP in hand for them was like, great, like I don't have to ask Carrie questions and delay my workflow and I don't have to wonder if I'm doing it right. It's all in the SOP. And so apparently our team members were all talking amongst themselves about how great the SOPs were. And that for me is when I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we're on the right track here. Yeah, I mean... SOPs, I mean, by the way, the part of the reason we could talk so long about SOPs is that they're also so foundational for any business owner. For If you ever want to get work off your desk and keep it off, off your desk. I you mean, need it, an SOP. This is another thing where it's like, I had to learn SOPs to outsource, but I realized that their application was as good or greater just in like, like you know, in my day to day life, we have SOPs for our house cleaner. We have SOPs for yeah. our cook. We have like when Gigi gets old enough, we're gonna have SOPs for her to help yeah. out with chores. Like we just have like we really, I think SOPs are just so much bigger than than just virtual assistants. But I I love that. For, what's great about a virtual assistant is, as uh, unlike somebody sitting next to you on a desk or like yeah. somebody who's in your house, that you could fake it. You actually can't fake it with a virtual assistant. You must write a great SOP because yeah. they're literally halfway across the world and sometimes don't even speak the same language. It's English isn't their first language and they certainly don't have any cultural context. So it sort of is this forcing function where it forces you to get over it and like write stellar SOPs. And then once you do, you're like, why don't I give my husband an SOP to do this thing oh, yeah. the way that I want it? We've to had, done? I mean, well, a, a very relevant example is one of our team members just last week was out of electricity for four days. There was a big ice storm that came through her city and mm. she literally didn't have internet to work. And normally it'd be like, oh crap, you know, then I have to do everything that she's doing because I'm yeah, the yeah. one that knows everything about the business. Not the case because all of the things she was working on had SOPs. So I was able to delegate them out to other team oh. members and sort of spread the work out. And even tasks that those team members had never done before, they did, you know, because we had the SOP. So just, Brilliant. you know, the whew, the relief from that. Um, and then to your point, it doesn't have to be for business stuff. We have clients doing them for simple things like how to take out the garbage 
But you know how, like, you want it done the certain way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, you know, like, some some clients are so... I, and let me let me actually... I, I'm skipping ahead. I love it when clients with uh, kids get their kids hooked up into Asana as if they were literally a virtual assistant. Yeah. And we have story after story, especially in the pandemic, of, like, clients who were like... Um, I think there was one who was like, I pay my kids to cook like blue apron like the blue apron comes everything's pre-chopped and they have the set of instructions and i just pay them to make the dinners at night right i we have another uh we have another client who's like got her kids plugged into a sauna so like everybody in the house has certain sets of chores and they recur automatically on a weekly or monthly or bi-monthly basis and the SOP or the video instructions are literally embedded inside of the asana task right so they literally run their family like it's a business and people have and they use all the same principles of virtual assistant giving them a, a, like advanced notice and ahead time great sops using asana to coordinate everything and do commenting back and forth and i those parents are just so dialed in and so happy but then there's parents who are just like straight up miserable they've got like capable age children they're not like one and two but they just i think don't want to I think in their mind, they just don't want to, like, put their kid on that level of, like, I think they think it's debasing their child. I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I agree with that. I think this is a common problem that both parents and managers have. It's not just parents. It's this resistance to creating SOPs to begin with. Because it requires you to slow down your thinking and get logical and admit to yourself that maybe you're not the only one that can do that task. And maybe it is as simple as putting it on a one sheet piece of paper and people just don't want to do it i think that's the biggest problem with sops is people have this major blockage around them i mean i i agree and there is that superhero syndrome where people will say to us like all the time like i need help i need help i need help but then when you i can see it when i get in with a client and i can show them a really easy way to get help part of you is also feeling so important by doing everything for everybody and feeling and that that sort of I don't want to say victimhood because that's such a hard word, but just feeling that sense of like, God, what would they do without me? Nobody here. Yes. And and when you when you sort of the process of creating lots of great SOPs and and outsourcing things really becomes that you aren't necessary no. to every single thing going forward, and you have to deal. Let's be honest, you have to deal with a bit of letting that go. Yes, you do. And 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 because I think we would lie. Everybody here has had that job where they're like, if I left, if I quit. <laughs> everything would go to hell and then you quit and does does is that company like you know my old company they're still around they're still going fine and i was like oh i'm keeping this place up myself you know or like the mom who's like this household would go to crap in a handbasket if i left and then you have to leave to go home for two weeks to care for a sick parent and you call home and everybody's like no we're great and you're like maybe it's messier or maybe they're doing it a different way but everyone's fine they're alive everybody's fed everybody's bathed it's cool more or less you know more or less Maybe somebody went to school with their pants on backwards, but like, <laughs> you know, but, but I think it, you have to be willing to sort of step away from yeah. that superhero syndrome, right? I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. And also just because it's something that people aren't familiar with doing, it feels hard and difficult and foreign and, yeah. and difficult. I already said that. <laughs> Out, too outside your comfort zone. But I remember one of your clients got over that barrier and he got over it by actually teaching his team and enrolling them 
in creating yeah, the SOPs Tim. before or on behalf of Shout the company. Out Tim. Yeah, and I thought that's such a great example because I know he struggled with it a bit, but he did end up getting over it and now his team understands the importance of it and they're creating many more than he would be able to create on his own. So what are the tools that that really that you really do need? I mean, what would the bare minimum be? I mean, I you need a task management platform. You don't want to be trying to delegate out on email or on WhatsApp or text message or any of that stuff. You need a task management platform. I think you yourself as the manager need to get your productivity stuff in order. You can't be a good manager if you don't have a good handle on your time Um, because you're the leader. I mean, again, a little rant. It's like we've worked with so many people who have hired us to train their team, but they themselves don't want to be trained. Oh my God, so many people. I mean, like you'll, you'll. I'm not going to name names, but you know exactly who I'm I thinking about. I know who you're talking about. This really famous personal development guru Super had big. us come in to their team and was just like, no, I know all this stuff already. It's my team that stinks. And we started training their team and their team, frankly, was like Their team A+. was great. They were, like, And they were like, their team was like trying not to like they were trying to boss, manage around this person who felt that they were above. And he wasn't, you know, yeah. And, and this person had created this, like, um, I guess, excuse around himself, the story around himself. I'm like the creative genius. And I. that's why I have you. I right. I need to stay in this completely unstructured free space. I don't want to deal with it. You know, and then you deal with that. That's why I pay you. And it's like, man, that person paid a huge price. And in, in fact, you know, again, not bagging on any individual person because I've seen this happen before. Yes. But that person's trajectory for a while seemed like meteoric, and I noticed that it hasn't continued. It that hasn't way. continued. It's that 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 person was not able to sustain that high performance, and probably lost some of those. I'll bet anything if I check back in with those. They no, lost they've some left. Of those team they've members. left the team. They were getting too burned out because it's so stressful to yes. support somebody who literally wants to cultivate chaos around them and wants to be like this person. Literally was like, no, I want to be able to stop my whole team in the middle of their tracks and and move them. So I have to say, one thing I admire about that person is is most people pretend they're not like that, but they are. Yeah. But this person was like. No, that like this is this is I the pride team. myself. I pride myself in being, being the way. kind of person and so, yeah, who whiplashes my employees. I think the essential thing is really having your personal productivity dialed in, and then getting yourself onto a task management platform. Yeah, being familiar with SOPs and recording screencasts. That's definitely super super important. So let's talk about the lifestyle dimension. I feel like we've covered a lot of yeah. the like logistical stuff, and and that's like me and you. I guess that's like our lot. Like we like to dive into the details, but like. What kind of life can you live when you really master this? Skill? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I think, loving the way I've set this up right at this moment because we've got our one-year-old, and I'm literally working three to four hours a day, and that's less than I've probably ever worked in my whole life, and it does feel very foreign to me. But yet, I look back at what we've accomplished this year, and we've accomplished just as much, if not more. You know, we've doubled the size of our membership. I've no, launched tripled. personally tripled. Yeah, okay, tripled. we've tripled the size of our membership. We launched. I I launched my own course without you know any yeah. without any input from you. Um, we've done so many great things in the business this year, and I've been working less than I ever have. And if that's not proof that the systemization stuff works, I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, most people know this about us. So for those of you who like know this then sorry for repeating it but like we live this like badass existence you know i I, but even now i think a lot of people know that we live in colombia and we live in paradise and there are parakeets right outside of our window a second ago but 
But I think even when we were living in L.A., you know, right when we were getting started, I don't think it took that long for us to start living a pretty dang good life, you know? We've always had that as a priority, though. I mean, some people don't. You can tell by the way they make decisions that that's not actually their priority. But our priority has always been that freedom, having ownership over our time, being able to have time together as a couple. And some people always put their business growth first. They just do. You know, I was listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss, and it was his most recent one with um, Seth Godin. And you know Seth Godin's always, like, dropping those wisdom bombs. Love Seth Godin. like, push. Um, I, I'm sure he's listening around now. Seth, we love you. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure he's listening to our very first podcast. Um, no, but, you know, one of the things that he said that I, that we did, but again, it's something that, like, we were doing, but we hadn't really, like, gelled into a philosophy. He said, you, you can never impose constraints on any initiative later, right? So, for example, when we started this, we actually, I remember the exact time we sat down at our kitchen table and we set our constraints for our lifestyle. Right. We basically said we need to be able to work together, right? Which is weird. That's a weird constraint because, like, m- companies will not hire couples. In fact, Usually. they specifically don't want to right. have married couples. You know, there are some notable exceptions, but most companies don't want The vast couples, majority. Right. Um, and I mean, it's it just, just imagine how silly somebody would look if you were like, yeah, my husband and I are applying together. Right. You know, it's like, like that, it's not even in people's imagination, but you know, we, we knew we wanted to work together. We knew that we wanted to be able to live from anywhere. We knew we wanted financial independence so that we could continue to work without a gun to our head you know, there's, there, there is just a completely different quality to the, our work today now that we know that, like, we don't if, – if I'm dealing with somebody or something that I really don't love, I'm just like, whatever. I don't need and that money. And you notice what's not on that list is we want to make, like, the most money ever. Yeah. I mean, we, we – you know, financial independence was very different from the idea of we need to make $10 million, We need to make $20 million or some right. arbitrary number. And what Seth Godin was saying is like, if you set, if you set, if the only boundaries that you set on your business is I need to make 10 million, you will end up like living a lifestyle that even at 10 million, you don't think is, you know, Enough. is worth it. And I think, you know, sorry, I'm, uh, there's a long winded way of bringing it back and saying like, once we had set those constraints of like, this is how our life needs to be. Uh, by the way, I remembered one. We need to be able to take a nap every day. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that was a great constraint. And it's a real one too, right? Like that's a strict one. So um, yeah, like once we set those constraints, you know, I feel like like outsourcing and having virtual assistants and being able to build virtual teams and leverage, you know, um, even contractors, which we didn't talk about a lot, but maybe not even a full-time team member, but just hiring somebody once to yeah. do one thing right. for you, you know, or twice in your life, you'll engage with this person. That has been so critical in this freedom lifestyle that we've been able to create. Yeah, I I think our philosophy has now been, if we don't know how to do something and we can't immediately find somebody, we'll just keep looking. Like We know that person, that right person is out there. We just have to continually find them. You know, oh, we didn't like that video editor. Okay, well, let's try with the new one. You know, rather than just saying, well, I guess we have to do it ourselves now. It's been more like, well, let's just play with the process a little bit. Let's change how we're doing it. And just thinking, too, about how to make everything easier constantly. You know, we've gone through maybe 10 iterations of my personal schedule after the baby was born. Yeah. And it's been this process we've gone through of thinking about, like, okay, well, if I wake up at this time, then could you take her to do this activity? And how would that change both of our overall schedules? And so we've just been, like, constantly 
honing and honing and honing. Just like solving the puzzle and then resolving it yeah. and resolving it and just trying to see how we could get to like the most elegant like version of it. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the reason I brought that up is just I feel that for people who are looking for freedom in their life, this is such a important tool for creating freedom, time freedom. You know, time freedom in the sense that clearly, if I if if somebody else is doing it, I don't have to do it. It's an hour that I right, save. Right. But also like career freedom in the sense that hey, it's not just about time. It's also about brain space and brain power. Like if I can take entire chunks of my job and move it away from me, or or even parts of my lifestyle, um, my my home life, then that's just more free brain power where yeah. I can like save that to do the really important work that I need to be doing. Yeah. You know, and and then even when we talk about spiritual freedom, right? We talk about this idea of like life not being a slog. You know, you and I famously came up with a list of all the roles and responsibilities <laughs> that we life, need yeah. in our life. And we auctioned them off from the ones that you really wanted to do and the ones I really wanted to do down to the ones that you hated less or I hated less. Mm -hmm. And then the very bottom of the list at the at the very end was like this list of things that both of us truly hated. And I think those are what people bicker about. A lot, there's a lot right? of I think there's a lot of things people bicker about that they don't need to I mean I was just making a list of the top tasks I've ever outsourced and the number one was just cooking yeah oh my god and I mean people gosh I don't oh know what god, people's deal so is but they're always <laughs> resistant to delegating out cooking they're like I love cooking I'm a foodie I'm like so am I but I cook on the weekends because honestly, I save maybe three or four hours a day by having somebody else cook for us. I mean, granted, we live in Colombia, so it's much easier to hire someone to do that for you. Yeah. I admit that. But we've also made the choice to move here because we wanted services like that. Yeah, I and would say cooking was probably out of our decision to move abroad, like having help in the house for cooking, cleaning, the whole thing was probably 80% of the and decision. And it's because it's know. significant because not just the time, like you said, it's about the mental ca oh mental capacity and just, you don't want to be exhausted at the end of the day and still have to clean your house. How many times have you and I finished work? And by the way, not for nothing, I work a 25, 24, 25 hour week. So, I mean, for people who think, oh my God, this guy's so spoiled, you know, it's performative. Like when you're coaching yes. and it's like deep, it's like 25 hours of deep work. It's you very know? difficult. So yeah. it's, it's, it feels like 50, 60 hours, you know, it's like mentally taxing. But how many times have we finished work and been playing with Gigi in the front room and Donya Irma's like cooking or cleaning dishes? And I just think to myself, like, that could be us. That could be us. Like, us right now. like, yeah. It, oh my God. Like that, yeah. that alone has just been tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I feel like we've just like nailed this topic upside <laughs> down, left, right. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I'm really looking forward to hearing people's questions too. Please. Because yeah. we would love to hear and dialogue with you. Um, so yeah, hit us up in the comments. And you know what? I invite, if you are somebody who's been part of our tribe, used our materials or been through our boot camp, and you've had some like just bone crushing examples of how outsourcing and having a virtual assistant change your life, like please, please, please like drop those in the comments wherever you might find this. That might be comments in Facebook or comments in YouTube, but like let us know or heck, if it's something you've never told me, like drop me an email and let me know like what those wins are. I think people go out there and they learn this from us and then they get huge wins and then they don't really bother to circle back and be like, <laughs> oh, by the way, I never told you that I was able to outsource this thing. So gang, please like share your wins with us. Yes, awesome. Awesome. Hey, great first podcast. Yeah, nice. I thought this worked out. And gang, if you have suggestions for us, uh, topics that you want to hear from us or suggestions for the podcast, let us know.